Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Podcast Royal. We are so happy you're here. This has been a dream of Jessica and mine for so long. We've been talking about this for months, haven't we? Yes, I would say, uh, what was it, the early part of COVID that we kind of had this idea spark? And we're recording this on November 14th, so I would not classify this as the early part of COVID anymore. We have been at this for like (laughs) eight months and no end in sight. So here we are in Jessica's closet. Thankfully, it's a walk-in. We are recording um, on a card table and we're just, (laughs) we're doing this because we love the royal family. So let's set the expectation right off the bat. This is not going to be a perfect podcast with all the bells and whistles, at least not yet. We are doing this because this is our hobby We do have good content to share, but if you're expecting the most perfectly produced podcasts, you're in the wrong place. But you are going to find two friends who are friends in real life, who are a bit of a royal expert and a definite lifestyle expert in Jessica, and we are just going to have some fun. So join us on this journey. Yeah, we want this to be just a fun chat for you guys. We want it to feel like you're our friends too. And we are talking with you about a mutual love of the royal family and um, and lifestyle content. Absolutely. And this is, this is not your average royal podcast because yes, we are going to cover royal news. Yes, we are going to cover this um, day in royal history. Yes, we are going to cover all of those things, but we're also going to have a segment with Jessica where we let you take back to your life some ways that Kate, Megan, and the other women of the royal family make their life a little easier. So we are really happy that you're here. We've got a lot to talk about today, but first, I think we should tell our listeners a little bit about ourselves and kind of where the idea originated from. So Jessica and I have been friends for about three years, and we are based in Birmingham, not Obviously, if you can't tell by our voices, not the one in the UK, but the one in Alabama. So I am originally from the great state of Kansas and Jessica is from Georgia. And we both found ourselves in the Junior League of Birmingham, which sounds so very Southern of us. We struck up a friendship over a shared love of the royal family and we decided to take that love to the airwaves. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my origin story with the royal family. So I fell in love with the royal family from birth. My mom, hi mom, I love you, I know you're listening, (laughs) was always a huge fan of Diana's. And I grew up with a massive, massive crush on William and dreamed of being an American duchess, which of course did happen. Joke's not to me. (laughs) That would be Megan. I would occasionally post long thoughts about the royal family on Facebook, and one of my Facebook friends suggested that I start a blog about the family. So in May 2019, about a week after Archie was born, 
I did, and it's called the Duchess Commentary, and it's still active, though I have been busy with other things and haven't really given it the attention that it's deserved. Plus, we've also had kind of a weird situation in 2020, to say the least, what with uh, Harry and Meghan now in the United States and the fact that Kate and William are doing very limited engagements in person, as well as, of course, the Queen and the rest of the family. Since then, I've developed a freelance writing career, mostly covering the royals. I'm now the editor at What Megan Wore, and I've written about the family for outlets like Elle, Glamour, InStyle, and I've interviewed that I just can't even still believe that I'm saying this out loud. It sounds like I'm talking about someone else's life, but I've interviewed royal experts like Katie Nichol, Victoria Arbiter, Robert Lacey, Elizabeth Holmes, Rachel Bowie, and Roberta Ferrito, which I hope I pronounced your last name right, Roberta, from Pure Wow and the Royally Obsessed podcast, our sister royal podcast. Hopefully all of them will come on Podcast Royal at some point. The invitation is always open. And yeah, so that's me in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. So tell that us about is, you. That's awesome, Rachel. I definitely consider you a royal expert. Um, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I am Jessica, also a royal lover, although I wouldn't say it's been a lifelong obsession. Um, I definitely recall knowing about the royal family growing up and, um, you know, if we're going to talk about crushing on princes, I <laughs> also had a huge crush, um, but but it was on Harry in really? my childhood. Yeah, I, I don't thought, even know if I knew that. Yeah, I thought he was so cute, um, like many girls in, in my generation. Uh, but my interest in the BRF really sparked when William and Kate became engaged, um, also like like a lot of girls in our, our generation. So um, side note, fun fact about me, I am actually half British. Um, my mom or mom, mm -hmm. as they say in the UK, is from England. So I've definitely grown up um, with a lifelong obsession of all things British. Um, so we can include An the royal file. family in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like millions of royal watchers around the world, I tuned in um, when Will and Kate got engaged and I was glued to the TV the day of their wedding. And um, I mean, it was exactly what a royal wedding should be, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It was stunning. It was beautiful. It was it was everything royal. Um, and, and since then, I've really grown increasingly fond of the family and I enjoy chatting about their lives and the work that they do. Um, and I really just love imagining what their personal lives are like yeah. behind the scenes. Um, so professionally, I work in a communications role, but in my personal life, um, I do have um, a little Instagram account that I play around with occasionally where I focus on clean eating and clean beauty and um, we'll, we'll share, you know, food I find or, or different cosmetic products that I come across. Um, so I imagine I'll share a little bit of that here and on our um, Instagram page podcast Royal, as you know, we come across things that, that kind of fall in line to what yeah. we're talking about here. I'll share some stuff along the way. So that's a little bit about me. Um, and why don't we go ahead and jump right into the content? Yeah, for let's today. do it. Enough about us. Let's, let's hop right on into our first segment. We're calling this segment, what we're into. So it's November 14th, 2020, and in the U.S. and across Europe as well, COVID cases are ramping back up again. I feel like we are in, approaching an inevitable second wave. I hate that, but mm. hopefully there will be a vaccine before too long. And I have a feeling that we're going to continue to be stuck in our homes and maybe bored at this point. I have exhausted my Netflix, my Hulu, my I've, <laughs> I've desperate desperation signed up for HBO Max, Showtime, 
but don't worry, we've got your back. So here is our ultimate royal entertainment guide for your quarantine. And no need to take notes. We're about to drop a lot of entertainment knowledge on you. We're going to put all of these suggestions in the show notes. So you don't need to scurry and take notes on everything that we're saying. So there really are enough royal family related books and TV shows, movies, documentaries, podcasts, including, of course, your favorite royal podcast, Podcast Royal, to get you through at least a week or two. <laughs> this is quite the list, Rachel, that you put together. <laughs> I, well, it's out of desperation and necessity because I really am being pretty strict about, about quarantining and, and COVID. So stay home cozy up and enjoy our favorite royal family related entertainment. So we're going to start. So I'm a big reader. You all will definitely find that out about me. I am a voracious reader. And so with that said, let's start with books, magazines, a cookbook and a blog. So um, if you're a big reader like me, you need a stack of books at your bedside at all times. I tear through books and there are no books I tear through faster than royal books. So I, I feel like over the course of my life, I've read about, if I haven't read every royal book ever published, I'm close. Um, so here are my all-time favorites over a lifetime of research. So Tina Brown, former editor-in-chief at Vanity Fair, so, so interesting. She wrote a great book about Diana called The Diana Chronicles. It's juicy. It's just so good. And then Speaking of juicy, Kitty Kelly is an author that writes some of the juiciest biographies out there. She's covered, let's see, she's covered Oprah, she's covered the Bush family, and she's covered the Royals, and the book is called simply that, The Royals. And of course, we can't talk about royal books without talking about the legendary Andrew Morton. So as I've said a couple of times, we're recording this on November 14th, and tomorrow, is November 15th, and that is The Crown season four. I know, I can't He's wait. I'm so excited. I'm super excited. And I, you know, I might as well, I'm unreachable tomorrow. I'll be binging all 10 <laughs> episodes. And so finally, we've gotten to the point in the, in the season or in the series where uh, it's Diana and Charles time. So um, I don't know how far yet, because I haven't seen it, obviously, how far we're going to get in Diana and Charles story. But in the early 1990s, Diana worked in secret with Andrew Morton to write Diana, her true story. And then Andrew Morton actually uh, has written about Kate and Meghan as well. He wrote a book called William and Catherine, A Royal Wedding. And then most recently, Meghan, A Hollywood Princess. He is a great biographer. And so those three books are required royal reading. Another legendary uh, royal author is Ingrid Seward. She actually just had another book come out in October. She did. About Philip. We'll mention that in a second. But some of my favorite Ingrid Seward books are The Queen and Die, not The Queen and I, <laughs> The Queen and Die, D-I, like Diana. And then My Husband and I, which talks about the love story of Elizabeth and Philip. And they have quite a love story. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So um, Sally Bedell Smith is another really good royal author. Can you tell that I like books? I promise we're getting to the end of the list. I could really talk about books <laughs> all day. I think we're probably going to end up starting a royal book club on here and that thrills me to no end. So my favorite Sally Bedell Smith books are Elizabeth the Queen, 
the life of a modern monarch and Prince Charles, the passions and paradoxes of an improbable life. So I actually um, am getting to the point in, in COVID where I've gone to the library and I've read these books before and I'm checking them out again. So those two books that I just said are actually on my bedside table right now as we speak. So I will be reading those right along with you. Another good book that's different and very interesting is by Craig Brown and it's called 99 Glimpses of Princess Margaret. So it tells Princess Margaret, for those that might not know, is the queen's sister. It's her younger sister. She's four years younger than her. Um, and she really was the personality of the two. The queen is more reserved, very proper. And Margaret was vivacious. And just, I mean, if you've watched The Crown, you've, you've seen glimpses of that. And so this book is um, broken down into 99 smaller chapters of Princess Margaret's life and what a life she lived. She passed away in 2002 and the queen was absolutely devastated. And unfortunately, not only did Margaret pass away, but I think within six weeks of one another, her mom died as well. So wow. we'll talk about this. That's a lot. Um, we'll talk about this, but the queen grew up in a very close family of her father, her mother, and her sister, and to lose uh, two of the three of them within such a short time of each other was devastating for her. So that's a good book, 99 Glimpses of Princess Margaret. Anything by Katie Nichol. I've got to shout out Katie Nichol for a second. When I was just starting the Duchess Commentary and didn't have a credit to my name, I was so early on in my royal writing career, Katie Nichol granted me an interview and it remains, and that's on the Duchess Commentary. You can go to www.theduchesscommentary.com and read it if you want to. And she was so kind to me. Thank you, Katie. I'll never forget that kindness. I hope to have that kindness shown to women that come behind me. Um, anything by Katie Nichol is good. She's got a handful of books, maybe five, six books. And Christopher Anderson is a great royal author as well. So books. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you put that list together because I will admit um, I do not find quite as much time to read as I would like. Um, I don't and so, think many people do. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot to choose from here because I um, have not actually read any of these titles. So oh, you got, um, you got titles. I, yeah, I definitely um, see a few on here that stick out to me. Um, I know Ingrid Seward is, is very mm -hmm. interesting. I've heard a few interviews with her and um, I would love to read more about Princess Diana and in, in um, interviews that she's Start with done. the Diana Chronicles. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna breeze through it. It that is that is a juicy, juicy read. So um I realize and recognize that not everybody reads like I do. So if you're more of a magazine person, I think that Vanity Fair and Town and Country are the top of the heap as far as royal coverage. Of course, I love L and in style and glamour and other magazines that I write for. I have not yet written for Vanity Fair and Town and Country, but my gosh, I'd love to. And so those magazines, you can access them um, online. You can access the print version, whatever suits you, uh, but they do great coverage. So something that I have done, I've started while in COVID, you know that we're reaching the bottom of the barrel here when I have turned to cooking <laughs> to stay entertained. Look, I, 
I make one thing really well, and that is a reservation. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but I actually have started cooking because it has gotten to that point of boredom in, in quarantine. So I need, I don't actually have this cookbook. I need to get it. Um, mom, I know you're listening. I know Christmas is coming up, but uh, Megan has a cookbook called together, our community cookbook. Um, if you cook anything from there, you can DM me and bring the food over to my house because I'm running low. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this would be a really great quarantine book club book. I know, right? <laughs> it's not really a, a read, but um, I would love to hear people's favorite recipes out yeah. of this. And I heard recently, um, you know, about this book and I have not actually flipped through it myself, but I'd be very interested mm-hmm. to see what recipes are in there because uh, cooking is actually a huge hobby yeah, of mine. Jessica is definitely the cook of the two of us. She is um, the lifestyle queen and I am a novice, but I am getting better every day because I've had eight months to, <laughs> to, to practice. practice. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm a writer, Jessica's a writer, but also Megan is, is a writer. And I think she still probably does some writing even still, but if you remember, she had a very popular blog called The Tig. And there is a function called the Wayback Machine that you can actually access all of Megan's TIG posts from back in the day. So I I sometimes catch myself getting on the TIG and reading. Megan's really inspirational and she is a good writer and um, she's got some really good posts on there. So just do a little Googling and and you can find it. And especially if you get on the Wayback Machine. Um, of course, you could always read the Duchess commentary, or you could get on, I think, the best royal fashion site of all time, What Megan Wore. I might be a little biased, but uh, there's been three books released recently that you've got to check out. So if you hear nothing else from this segment about what to read, check out these books. First of all, as, again, we're recording on the 14th, but on the 17th, so in three days, Elizabeth Holmes's HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style comes out. I was so mad at myself because we're over here at Jessica's and I had every intention to bring Jessica my copy of HRH, which I breezed through in a night, uh, but I forgot it on my coffee table. So promised her next time I come over. So yeah, I've seen the, the cover book. of this book and I've heard Elizabeth Holmes the talk about it. beautiful. Um, I, yeah, I will say um, it, it's definitely one that I want to take a peek into. I think the photos are probably the photos stunning. Are stunning. And yes. I feel like this is a really great um, Christmas gift idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, what For any royal girl lover. Um, or, you know, fashion lover wouldn't love to have this book. No, seriously. If you if you are listening to this and have someone in your life that you love and care about and you're going to shop for a gift for them, whether it's their birthday or Christmas or what, Get them HRH, so many thoughts on royal style. First of all, Elizabeth Holmes is an expert on the royal family and the book is beautiful from the cover to the color to the photo she chose. It is, it's so, so good. And it's a nice coffee table book too, it's, I it's feel a, like. It's because, on my coffee table right Yeah, well, you did mention that. Yeah, just to have that out and flip through and guest her over. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to dig into that one. And I can't wait to hear what your favorite look from that book is. So if you do have HRH, which I don't know if you do because it hasn't been released yet, but when you do get your hands on a copy of it, send us a DM, send us an email at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com and tell us what your favorite look is and we will read it on the air. How about that? Yeah, once the book comes out, we'll um, we'll talk about our favorite looks too. But I'll give you I'll give you the book, and you can. I've, I've been uh, unintentionally holding out on you on that, so sorry about that. <laughs> but also, 
two other books, Ingrid Seward's Prince Philip Revealed. That just came out. It's her newest title. I have not yet read that. And so I'm looking forward myself to reading that. And Robert Lacey, longtime royal historian. He's the historical consultant for the crown. So he knows his stuff. His new book, Battle of Brothers, William and Harry, the inside story of a family in tumult. Is that how you say that word? I think so. Tumult. Um, anyway, it, that just came out last month and Jessica and I have both read that book. We what did, yes. And I loved it. Um, I felt like there was a lot of backstory given there on the royal family and, and maybe explains a little bit more as to why things are the way they are today and yeah. in the relationships within the royal family. Um, and I felt like I, I learned some new little little facts that I didn't know before. Yeah. And and the thing about Robert Lacey is he he does not hold back. I mean, he is very candid and um, but he's also a great reporter. And so you know that it's all very factual and uh, and well well reported. So yeah, he um, you know, the book is Battle of Brothers, but he digs into um the relationship between Everything. Diana and Charles too, you know, and, and yeah. yeah, and it just kind of helps explain um, everyone's, everyone's perspective. So we just found out, so this news is just breaking that um, a friend of Diana's said that the night before they got married, Charles told Diana he did not love her. Now that's not in the Lacey book. This just came out on separate outlets, but um we're going to have to unpack that in a future episode because that's yeah, really, really heavy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine, um, you know, and I'd, I'd like to hear more about, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine about that, but apparently the crown, which this is a good segue into the next part of, uh, what we're into is we're TV shows. Of course, the crown is the preeminent, uh, television show about the Royal family. So season four drops tomorrow, unfortunately slash fortunately I will probably finish it tomorrow so that's not gonna <laughs> that's not gonna last me a couple of weeks I can't I can't stop but you know I feel like uh there are probably a lot of people who maybe have not seen the crown before but they're gonna yeah. tune, tune in this season because yeah. finally I mean, it's Charles everyone Diana. loves Diana yeah it's and and they've I've read that they're not going to show the wedding but what I do know is apparently according to the outlets that um, Charles said that the night before their wedding, which my gosh, can you think of a more awful situation, especially being, you know, like a couple weeks into your 20th year of life. I mean, I, I'm 34 and I um, feel like I'm more mature than I was at 20. I, I can't even imagine going through that at 20, let alone having that bombshell dropped on you. Um, I'm really excited to see Emma Corrin play Diana. She looks so much like her she does in yes. some of the shots I've seen the trailers so. and, and I'll be interested how they portray the relationship of, of Charles and Diana and you know I mean we have to remember it's the crown so it's not you know it's part entertainment mm -hmm. um there's a historical aspect there right. but um there's also a theatrical element there too and I think that's um probably the hardest part of watching that show is deciphering between mm -hmm. um, what's real and what's not. And we're right, going to help exactly. you, we're going to help you um, in our, in episode two, break, break it down. What's, what's fact, what's fiction. Um, as Jessica said, it's mostly based in fact. Um, thank you, Robert Lacey, historical consultant, but there, of course it's, it's Hollywood at the end right. of the day. So, um, so let's move into movies. So the queen, Oh my gosh. Have you seen the queen? I have not. Okay. We're going to do a wine night and get some to go yes. and watch the queen. Is this on Netflix? 
Um, it was on Netflix at one point. I don't know if it still is, but this is Helen Mirren playing okay. the queen. She, um, I believe now, I don't know that somebody fact checked me on this. I'm pretty sure she won the Oscar for this. This was in 2006 that this movie came out. So it's been out for a while. Um, she, she nails it. She, she is such a good Elizabeth. Um, Oh, that makes me want to watch this movie right now. <laughs> like it's it's a wonderful movie, and and the premise of this movie is right after Diana passed away in August of 1997, late August, August 31st. Um, the Queen it it shadows the Queen's decision making between Diana's death and her funeral on September 6th, which was hmm. a week later. Do you remember Diana's death? Yes, we, yes were, we were young absolutely. I was only I was only 10 yeah me too um but but I absolutely remember that time and and that moment and it was just I mean it's like just a moment in history I, I think if you were alive mm-hmm. at that time you'll, you'll always remember yeah I can remember my mom and I were um in San Antonio Texas actually of all places and we were staying in a hotel room and I told you earlier in this episode that my mom is such a diehard Diana lover. Um, and that's how I got into the family. And so I remember going to sleep that night to the news. I was only 10. So going to sleep in the hotel to the news that there had been an accident. But the original reports, if you'll remember, said that Diana was injured, but not severely. And so I went to sleep mm-hmm. and then I woke up and my mom didn't go to sleep. She stayed up all through the night watching the news coverage. And then of course, um, Diana passed away and it was devastating. So um, anyway, the queen, watch it. Also the King's speech, so good. Um, this this is, movie is about Elizabeth's father um, whose real name was Albert, but on the throne, he was King George VI. Elizabeth absolutely adored and idolized her father and that he had a stutter. And so he, we can go, I mean, we could talk about this forever. I won't get into it, but he was not supposed to be the monarch. His older brother was. And so we'll unpack that for those that might not follow the Royals as closely as we do. But anyway, he wasn't supposed to be the monarch. He became the monarch. He had a stutter of course, as the monarch, you have to give speeches. And so this movie goes through the process of him working through that. So also a great movie. Now, another movie to watch is called Diana. Naomi Watts plays her. This movie is not on, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. It's not on par with the other two. It, hmm. it didn't win any Oscars. It. I don't, I don't even know if it made it to theaters. It might've been direct to, um, direct to DVD. But it's it's still it's not it's not terrible. I mean, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, so and it, it talks about Diana. I will watch anything with the word Diana on it. <laughs> right. And so um, she it's it talks about her in the latter part of her life. So anyway, movies. Okay. So I'm gonna breeze through these documentaries. Um, Diana in her own words on Netflix. Diana Seven Days That Shook the World on Netflix. The boys, William and Harry, did a great documentary about their mom called Diana, Our Mother, Her Life and Legacy. It's on HBO. Um, I have not actually watched this next one. Megan did the voiceover work for Elephant on Disney+. Plus. I have not seen that one either. No. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth at 90, a family tribute on Netflix. 
Queen of the World on HBO. I might watch that tonight, actually. That's really good. Um, Royal House of Windsor on Netflix, and then The Royals on Amazon Prime. Again, please don't try to take notes on this. We'll provide all of this in the show notes. And finally, podcasts. I love this podcast called Even the Rich. I am a Richie, as they call the fans of this show. It's like this show takes all of my favorite pop culture moments, like um, Diana and Megan and Versace and Jay-Z and Beyonce and Britney Spears and the Kennedys. I'm not even kidding. Like these are all of my favorite things and it puts it on a podcast. So anyway, the first season of Even the Rich is about Diana and Megan. So take a listen to that. We love supporting our fellow podcasters. This is not um, always an easy journey. So we love our fellow podcasters. Absolutely. So Fatal Voyage is another good podcast. Season two is about Diana's car crash. And if you want to hear Kate's first podcast, and to my knowledge, her only podcast, she appeared on an episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, and she was <laughs> adorable. She uh, So you can just type in Duchess of Cambridge on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I love anytime Kate pops in, whether it's Her on voice. Instagram. Okay, that was what I was yes. going to say. She has the most beautiful speaking voice. So elegant. Um, it is elegant. It is just, you know, calm and, and smooth. And, and she's just so classy. Refined. A refined, a refined, refined. I can't, <laughs> obviously what I am not. She is refined and elegant. And I, I, you know, we don't, it's, it, COVID is terrible and I'm never going to say otherwise, but it has allowed us to hear Kate's voice so much more because when she goes to these appearances, we see photos of her, but we don't hear her speaking. Yeah. I thought that too. And now she's on zoom and we get to hear this and it's so great. We see a lot more of her personality and I love it. I love it. Also final podcast when Megan met Harry cute quick listen um, and if all else fails you can just do what I do and watch royal weddings on YouTube that'll get you <laughs> that'll kill two or three hours uh, I did that recently and wrote a post on the Duchess commentary about it if you're really bored get BritBox my mom has BritBox there's enough royal content there for you to watch literally for the rest of your life so you can it'll definitely take you through quarantine okay any final thoughts on quarantine I mean you have really got you've got it I mean <laughs> if quarantine lasts throughout 2021 which let's hope it doesn't Please I don't God. know no 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 <laughs> I don't know that we'll run out of content um yeah. to consume with this list so <laughs> outstanding job Rachel we, thank you well we're, we're, we're trying to have your back here so okay now we're going to move into the what we're calling the royal rundown which is our segment on the royal news of the week Okay, so first things first, plans for the Queen's upcoming platinum, which is crazy, Jubilee were announced this week for 2022, marking 70 years on the throne. That is incredible. For Her Majesty, the longest reigning monarch in British history. Um, they will celebrate over in the UK. We need to find a way to get there. I literally had this thought, like, no, really I think it was do. last night, I was like, we can we can go to London in if 2022. I, I mean, now then I might be able to swing that, but <laughs> it's going to be from June 2nd to 5th of 2022, the four day weekend for the British public. The Queen declared Friday the 2nd and Monday the 5th bank holiday. So enjoy your four day weekend, our British friends. Though technically she became queen in February 1952 after her father's death, which I've always found so hard because you've been waiting for this role your whole life but it requires the death of your parents I know it's such a it's, it's, a, it's a moment we can't relate to it's 
you waited your whole life for this right but it's a tragic moment at the same time yeah it's like you I mean I think it's about, creating an anniversary that is yeah yeah so it has queen, an element of sadness oh yeah I mean the, and I, as I said before the queen was extraordinarily close to her father and, and her father died unexpectedly so um this this actually fun well not it's not fun at all actually but um the queen and Philip were away and her father died unexpectedly. She didn't even have any black mourning clothes. Right. So now whenever royals travel, they always have to pack black mourning clothes because of this. So there's a fact for you. But anyway, on that day in February, February 6th, the queen spends that day alone in quiet reflection. So that if you're wondering why do they do the Jubilee in June, uh, first of all, London, where they will have it, is the weather's better than it is in February, right? You can imagine that. Um, so Her Majesty likes to celebrate occasions like Trooping the Color and uh, her Jubilee in June because of the favorable weather. And not only that, but her coronation was in June of 1953, um, which is a much more special day for the queen than February 6th, which is when she became queen. But of course, in the process of that, also unexpectedly lost her beloved father, King George VI. So I think about Charles. Today is Charles's 72nd birthday, okay? He's been in training for this role of king for 72 years today. And I'm sure that Charles is more than ready to ascend to the throne. But of course, that comes at a very high price. And that is the death of his mother. So that's such a, that's such a weird juxtaposition. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think, I think Charles at this point, he's been a prince for so long and, and he's so familiar with, you know, the royal duties and the things that come, you know, and watching his mom. But uh, I do think, yeah. I, I think we hope, and I, and I certainly think he hopes that she will remain queen yeah. for as long as possible. Well, and Philip is 99 knocking on a hundred door. I just thought of this too. He, Philip's birthday is in June, June 10th, I believe. Fact check me on this, somebody. And he will be a hundred years old. <laughs> I know. So that's going to be a heck of a month you know, for the family. Even in his, you know, well into his 90s, he was really still pretty active. And and he's still getting around. Yeah. I mean, I you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of him during quarantine, which, which understandably so. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone in the royal family, they're we've kind of cut back on on how many times we've seen them out and about. But um, but yeah, it, that's incredible. I yeah. Mean, so that's going to be a, I just put that together. That's going to be a huge month for the family. So this is the first time a British monarch has ever celebrated a platinum jubilee. So as such, it will certainly be an event to remember. I can't wait. We we're, we're going definitely I'm, I'm worth those now. extra vacation days yeah. Um, yeah. to our friends in the UK and Rachel and I will mark our calendars we'll, and we'll, we'll find a way to be there. I'm putting it out in the universe we'll start, right now. We'll start shopping plane there ticket prices. <laughs> so speaking of the queen, we saw her out this week or kind of a rare occasion, honestly. And it's the first time I've seen her in a mask. She was wearing a, a mask to Remembrance Sunday, this past Sunday, November 8th. William was there. He looked dashing in uniform. I really love the way William looks in uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, Kate looks stunning in a military-inspired outfit that, according to what Kate wore, looks to be by Catherine Walker, which is a favorite of Kate's, though there's also been some speculation that it could be by Alexander McQueen, which, of course, as we all know, is a favorite of Kate's as well. So this year's Remembrance Sunday was very different for a number of reasons. First of all, for the first time, the event, which is held at the Cenotaph in London, was closed to the public because of COVID. 
The mm -hmm. queen typically stands on a balcony with Camilla and Kate, who of course are the queen consorts in waiting. But this year the queen stood with her lady in waiting, Susan Rhodes, who has been quarantining with her majesty. So we know they're both healthy. Camilla and Kate stood socially distanced on a separate balcony. There were 10 royals in attendance at the event. Missing for the first time was Andrew, of course, mm -hmm. for reasons that we don't, will certainly unpack later, but I don't feel like getting riled up about at the moment. And of course, Harry, who's in California, but Harry and Meghan still honored Remembrance Sunday. They made a private visit to Los Angeles National Cemetery. Meghan wore a jacket dress by Brandon Maxwell. And like the rest of the family, Harry and Meghan wore poppies to commemorate those who lost their lives in war. So if you're wondering what the red flower is on their lapels, that is, that is it. So, um, this week, I could have won $250,000, Jessica. <laughs> Joel McHale, I love you, but you needed me as your phone friend, I guess, because Joel McHale was, McHale was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire this week. The question was, for over 30 years, Queen Elizabeth II has favored what shade of nail polish by Essie? I'm, do you know this answer? I do. Okay. Yeah. So the, the options were A, ballet slippers, B, ladylike, C, everything's rosy, and D, lovey-dovey. So Joel McHale did not know it. And so he decided to walk away with the $125,000 he'd already won. Every royal expert watching the show live was screaming at the TV <laughs> saying the correct answer is, of course it is. It is ballet slippers. Everybody knows this. Joel, you should have had me as your phone a friend. And I would have asked you, you're, he's, well, all of his money was going to charity. So I wouldn't have asked him for a cut of it. But. Well, if you're a, if you're a hardcore royal watcher, um, I, I feel like this nail polish name comes up quite a bit. Yeah. We see it in magazines yeah. and it's referenced a lot. Yeah. And ac actually Megan and Eugenie wore that shade of polish at their weddings, both in 2018. So Kate did not actually, Kate wears it a lot now, but she did not wear it at her wedding. So um, the crown season four drops tomorrow. I've said this like three times already. Can you tell I'm excited? So we'll have a full <laughs> recap of it next time. Um, more royal news, Eugenie. I always, you know, I've said her name wrong my whole life. It, I've yeah, always said it is Eugenie. I've always said, and I bet somebody well, out there feels the same way as me. You know, I almost wonder if Eugenie is really the American pronunciation, uh, or I, I don't know, like a like a really uneducated <laughs> about royals American. I've pronounced her name Eugenie for my entire life until I've been corrected recently, and it's Eugenie. I think somebody fact check me on this too but she is pregnant due in early 2021 and the name front runners for she and husband jack brooks bank brooks banks i should be able to say that at least baby um are alice if it's a little girl and hmm. arthur and henry if it's a little boy what's your what's your thoughts um you know i i like the name alice if it is a girl um i i, I don't know I don't know that they would go with Henry. I wouldn't put that well, on Henry's my real name. Right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have put that at the top of my list for boys. Um, I also wonder if they will stick with the tradition of choosing a name within the royal family or if uh -huh. they'll branch out and do something different like Archie, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder yeah. what direction they'll they go have there. That, they have that freedom. Absolutely. So Alice is the name of Eugenie's, which is still going to take me forever to get right. Um, her grandfather Philip's mother, Henry, as I just said, is actually Harry's real name. Harry is a nickname. And Arthur 
is one of William's middle names, as well as one of Charles's middle names and Louis's middle names. Um, Arthur is actually also the name of Pippa's son, Kate's sister's okay. son. So um, I don't know. It, Alice, Alice is kind of a new front runner. It was Victoria. So we don't have an exact due date for her, but it's early 2021. So I'm assuming that by March we'll have another little royal baby to love. No, uh, do we think that they will um, stand out on the Linda wink? Ooh, that's a great question, Jessica. I, I don't know. Um, I think they will. I, I, I kind of think so too. I feel like they're, that's, that's a great question. I feel like in the past few years, Eugenie has kind of stepped out a little bit more and, uh -huh. and we've seen her more um, and she's really played a bigger royal role in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, you know, I guess it depends on where we are with with lockdowns and true. Um, I didn't think about that and yeah. quarantining, but you know, if everything is safe, um, I definitely I can see I that happening. Feel, I, yeah, and especially now that that Harry and Meghan have stepped down as senior members of the family, I feel like it's become incumbent upon Beatrice and Eugenie to to step up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, and because Harry and Meghan chose not to do the Lindo wing, which we'll get into that on another episode. I think that's kind of a bizarre tradition, but um, that's a, for another day. Um, I, I could see it happening. Yeah. COVID dependent, but I could see it happening. And finally, happy 72nd birthday today, November 14th to Charles and happy 73rd wedding anniversary on November 20th to the Queen and Philip. A lot of love in the air in November. Also this month on November 16th, this is unbelievable to me. William and Kate celebrate 10 years since they announced their engagement. My gosh, <laughs> 10 years I feel like ago. it was yesterday. I mean, I yeah, feel like I, I just recall seeing the magazine covers and the check and that out. blue wrap is the dress, the sapphire blue that matched your sapphire mm -hmm. and diamond ring. Oh man. Um, and then November 27th is three years since Harry and Meghan announced their own engagement. So in honor of that, we're going to move into our third segment of the day, which is <laughs> Royal Love Stories. And I'm, I'm recruiting Jessica. Now, Jessica has not gotten these answers. We're going to do a pop quiz and you can play along with us. Okay. And get ready everybody, because I actually, <laughs> this is hard. I may it's fail this quiz. Really, I, it's I actually really hard. I don't know these answers. So I will no, do my best. We have not preempted Jessica <laughs> with these answers. She has absolutely no idea. She's probably hating me right now because I sprung this on her. Well, so play along with us at home and see how many you get right. And, uh, you know, DM us and, and let us know how you did as well. Yeah. Let us know, let us know how you did and maybe let us know which one was the most interesting one. So, okay. We're going to, the segment is called Royal Love Stories. We're going to see how well, you know, your Royal Love Stories. So I'm going to read the way each Royal couple met and see if Jessica can guess the answer. So before I start, here are the options, the Queen and Philip, Charles and Diana, Charles and Camilla, William and Kate, Harry and Meghan, Anne and Mark Phillips, her first husband, who are, they divorced, but I just found out today, I saw on the news that they they got married on November 14th, which I think is weird because that's Charles's birthday, but maybe oh, that's yeah. just me. Um, Aunt Princess Anne has been married twice. She's still married to her second husband, Timothy Lawrence, her second and current husband. Peter and Autumn Phillips, who are in the process of getting a divorce. Peter Phillips is gorgeous, just in case you don't. <laughs> Peter Phillips is, uh, is by far, in my opinion, the most attractive royal grandchild, but um, I'm obviously sad they're getting a divorce. And they announced that during quarantine. Yeah, um, or right before. It might have been right before, but okay. um, 
yeah, they, um, he's really good looking. <laughs> if you want to, if you, you want to see a good looking man, Google Peter Phillips, Zara and Mike Tyndall. These are Queen, or Queen Anne. These are Princess Anne's kids. Um, Andrew and Ferg, Beatrice and Edo, Eugenie and Jack, and Edward and Sophie. So a lot of couples, okay? So here's, here's question number one. Play along with us. Grab a piece of paper and a pen and, and play along. And so, hopefully you do better than I do. So. Well, you don't <laughs> know you're going to do bad. You might know more than you think. Okay, so this couple met at the Formula One Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. This is hard. I was going to say this first one. I don't, I really don't have a clue on this one. So, um, let me look here. Look at your options. Any guesses? Um, I'm going to go with Anne and Timothy. That is not correct, but this one's hard and (laughs) I probably shouldn't have put it first. The correct answer is Peter and Autumn Phillips. They met at the Formula One Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. I would not have guessed that. That's hard. Okay. This one is not as hard. I think this couple met when he was dating her older sister there. If you've watched the crown, you know, that there's a lot of cross dating that happens. There is. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like I should know this and if I get it wrong, I'm going to be super embarrassed. Um, but I'm going to say Charles and Diana. You got it. You okay. got it. You got it. <laughs> so Charles actually dated Diana's older sister, Sarah before right. he dated her and it didn't work out and then there was Diana and I guess the rest is history so okay this couple met for the one of the most I will give you a hint one of the most successful modern royal couples this couple met for the first time when he was dating her friend and then six years later so I guess that's like girl code enough time right um so. six years later they met again at a charity event okay let's see you want a hint I do this is going to give it away the only this is the so the queen has four kids this is the only marriage first marriage of the queen four kids to survive Edward and Sophie Edward and Sophie let me tell you about Sophie I love me some Sophie I think she is the unsung hero of this family and um, they have been married since 1999 and are a beautiful couple. Yeah, and we don't, I mean, I feel like we don't hear a ton about them. Right. Um, but yeah, they're definitely a great couple. Sophie's a hard worker though. I think she, she, she's one of the queen's favorites. So, um, okay, I, you're gonna definitely get this one. I, I think most of our listeners will probably get this one too. The couple met as freshmen in college when they lived in the same dorm. All right, I'm going with Will and Kate. Will and Kate, they met at the University of St. Andrews in 2001. Um, all right. This couple met a ski holiday in Switzerland where they were introduced by mutual friends. Now this could be a royal couple because they all go to Switzerland a lot. I'm going to go on this one. I might have it wrong, but my gut is telling me Zara and Mike. Nope. No. Okay. Okay. It's Eugenie and Jack. Yeah, I guess. And they dated for they dated for a really long time. Like uh, they did, they kind of pulled a Will and Kate situation and dated for a long time before they got married. Well, I know Zara is super athletic. She is. Thought maybe she would be the one skiing, but um, okay, we'll we'll get there in a minute. (laughs) You'll you'll see. Okay, so this. Well, so I said (laughs) I say that, and (laughs) now I've really confused everybody. So the next one is this. This couple met at a party for equestrians and horse enthusiasts. Now, you 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 might get this. 
So there are a, a few, a yeah, again, I, several members of the royal family, I think, horses. Um, and are really actually accomplished equestrians. Yeah, I mean, I could see this being a few different ones. Is it also No, but that would make sense because Charles plays polo. I mean, I'm on a horseback. I know the queen loves horses as queen well. Loves horses. Uh, my guess was going to be Charles and Camilla. So who? So this is Anne actually, and her first husband, oh, Mark Phillips. Yes. They, they um, Anne is a very accomplished equestrian, and so is Zara, and the queen. I mean, they all love horses. I've never ridden a horse before. I mean, I have sat on a saddle on a horse with someone holding the saddle. I have never galloped away. Um, Maybe someday. They scare me a little bit. I don't really have the desire. Um, (laughs) I've seen Gone with the Wind too many times. So anyway, okay. Okay. Oh my gosh, this story is so cute. Um, This couple met at a wedding and then they met again three years later. Finally, two years after that, he escorted her and her sister around the Royal Navy Naval College and Sparks flew. Is it Beatrice and Edo? No, it's the Queen and Philip. Really? Yeah, and why it took that makes them, sense. Well, and why it took them so long to get together is he has, I think, five years on her, and so she was like a child when they met, and he was a teenager. So he needed. They had That's to wait right. it out for her to for her to become of age. That's right. Um, let me tell. This is a love story. Obviously, if they've made it seventy three years this week, um. I don't think the the queen is amazing at what she does, but I don't think she would be the queen she is without Philip as her backbone. So, okay, we're breezing on through. We've got what, three, four, well, five more, five more. Okay, so this couple met as children. Lots of stories about people meeting and then like, because I'm telling you, these circles are tight. Mm-hmm. Um, this couple met as children, but didn't see each other romantically until they met again at a party as adults. Okay, so I feel like I have heard this story before, and I'm kind of drawing a blank on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to throw this out, but I'm not confident in my answer. Mm-hmm. It's an Andrew and Fergie. It's Andrew and Fergie. Okay, you well, nailed there we it. Go. You nailed it. Um, Andrew and Fergie, and they had a they had a Harry and Meghan style courtship really quick, um, quicker I think actually than Harry and Meghan. Okay. This couple moved in the same social circles and met at a house party where they bonded over her ex-boyfriend dating his sister. Is this one Zara? It's not. Although this is Charles and Camilla. Andrew Parker Bowles, Camilla's ex-husband, dated Anne. Yeah, I forgot about that. You can remember it, listeners. CC, Charles and Camilla, and AA. Very confusing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and I think they actually mentioned that um, in Robert Lacey's book. They, mm-hmm. they hit on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Robert so. Lacey's book, by the way, is not just about William and Harry. It's about a lot of things. So there's a lot to unpack there. Okay, you're going to get this one. This couple met on a blind date set up by a mutual friend. Yes, I do know this. Um, it is Harry and Meghan. Harry and Meghan. That's right. We still don't know who confirmed who that mutual friend is. So, um, Okay. Two, three more. This couple met when he was working for the royal family on the royal yacht, Britannia. Okay. Is this, um, is it Anne and Timothy? It is. Anne and Timothy Lawrence, who is her second and current husband. Um, if you'll remember, in 1992, uh, so I told you the queen has four children. Edward, Edward wasn't even married then. He didn't get married until 1999. In 1992, all of the queen's children that were married separated from their spouses and so um so uh not long after that not long after Anne and Mark Phillips divorced um she married Timothy Lawrence and they've been married for going on almost 30 years so 
there you go. Okay, this, there's a lot of these stories about meeting and then re-meeting, but this couple met as children. You, by process of elimination, you might be able to get this here, but <laughs> this couple met as children. His parents were close friends with her parents. You want a hint? I do. They just got hitched. Okay, so this is Beatrice. This is Beatrice and Edo. I want to be in these circles where I can I meet royal people. I know. And marry them. I'm going to go Although side. all the royal men are, well, I guess Peter's about to not be, but anyway, another day on that. Okay, <laughs> last one, last one, last one. This, I mean, you got it now, right? Process of elimination, but our friends at home might not. So this couple met at a rugby match in Australia. You said this person was athletic, so they did meet at an athletic event. That's true. Yes. So who is it? Um, this is Zara and Mike. Yes. Another very cute and highly underreported couple. I was going to say, I actually love Zara. I think she's, she's beautiful. She's a favorite of mine. She's, um, she's a hard worker too. I think she is. Yeah, they, they, yeah, absolutely. Okay. That is all for me. I'm turning the ball over to my friend Jessica to talk to us about our lifestyle component today. Yeah. So I just tallied up my points on this quiz and I, with a lot of help from Rachel, I scored, um, I got seven of them, right? So, seven out of 11, um, out of 11, not but, bad. um, but I had some help there. Not bad. Not bad. So when I was preparing for this segment, um, you know, I, I tried to think of what I thought would be fun for us to talk about today. And, you know, this year has undoubtedly been the year of COVID and we've been overwhelmed with how to stay healthy from wearing masks to social distancing and using hand sanitizer. So in this week's segment, I couldn't help but think about, you know, the lifestyles of the Royals and, and how they stay healthy. And a, a lot of that goes into um, their diet and what they eat. Yeah, and absolutely. That's the that's the foundation of a healthy lifestyle. I mean, we know, you know, when you talk about um, your microbiome, which is made up of all the bacteria in your body, a lot of that is um, stays healthy through eating a variety of healthy food. Yeah. Um, and, and there's been a lot reported on Megan and Kate specifically and, and their diets and what they look like and, and what they eat to maintain high energy levels and, and keep up their busy lifestyle. So I thought it would be fun for us to do a day in the life of a duchess and kind of walk oh, through fun. from breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what their diets look like. Um, and we can talk about it and, and, and think if see if we think that's realistic for, for the average girl or, or what our mm -hmm. favorite foods are, or, you know, what our thoughts are on that. So, um, we'll start with breakfast. Uh, both duchesses love green drinks. So okay. Kate is a smoothie girl, which I love because I am also I a, had smoothie a smoothie for breakfast. Had smoothies today. You did. Yes. And, um, one of my favorites is coffee and almond butter smoothies. Mm. Um, but Kate loves her greens. Okay. So um, when she mixes up a smoothie, she packs in a ton of greens like kale, spinach, yeah, you lost romaine. Kale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tons of nutrients in there. But she also likes to pack in cilantro, which if you're in the UK, that's coriander. Um, I, I have somewhat of an aversion to cilantro. So I've, so. I've read that like 50%, we've had this conversation, the 50% of the population um, now I'm not in this 50%. I like cilantro, but the other 50% say that it tastes like soap. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's how I would describe it, but that sounds right. It's, and it's they just hate, awful. Like, it's not just awful. It's like disgusting. Like, drinking, yeah. like, like about as appealing as like going in the bathroom and like 
drinking hand soap. It's, it's such a strong taste. When you taste it, it's like, you can't get rid of it. And I think I fall into that 50%. I, um. I, I like cilantro. <laughs> uh, so once she packs in all those greens, she also follows it up with um, matcha and spirulina. So if you're not familiar with these, matcha is a green tea powder. Um, the best way to describe that is it just tastes green. Mm. It's a little bit bitter, but it's got a lot of antioxidants in it and it's got um, healthy caffeine. So a lot of people who drink matcha will describe it as giving them high energy levels and helping them stay focused, but mm -hmm. not giving them the jitters that coffee gives you. Okay. Okay. I've never tried matcha, so maybe I'll try it. And spirulina is, um, it's like a blue-green algae. It kind of has a seaweed taste, but it's it's also considered a superfood. Um, it's got antioxidant properties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's definitely an acquired taste. I, I know some people that drink green smoothies just chug it, even if it doesn't taste good. Yeah. Um, I, I like my smoothies to taste good, um, you know, but Kate, Kate also, she keeps it low on sugar. So she'll throw blueberries in there and that's yeah. about it. So she throws blueberries in there. Yeah. I mean, we know That'll blueberries, blueberries have a great flavor and they are great for brain function and keeping you sharp. So, um, nice. That is breakfast for Kate. Well, and we'll include right these recipes in our show notes. So yeah. Um, and if we can find a link to anything, um, any recipes that go along with this, and we'll you share can that make too. Kate's breakfast smoothie and tell us what you think and we'll drink it too. Definitely. So Megan, um, I said she likes green drinks. Um, she is a green juice kind of girl. I, could, I can totally see that. And she keeps it pretty simple. So she, um, she usually mixes kale, spinach, apple, ginger, and lemon. That is a really interesting combination. <laughs> It is. And I'm I, not a kale person. I need to get on this bandwagon. I'm not there. You know, I'm not there. Yeah. I feel like you, you either like these things or you don't. I mean, again, with the aversions, I'm not a huge ginger fan. Uh -huh. um, the taste is super strong to me, but we know that ginger has got a strong flavor, but it's great for digestion. Um, it's great for nausea. Um, you know, if you especially if, you know, if you're pregnant and you have morning sickness, you know, ginger can help calm your tummy. Um, or if you're on the go a lot and your nerves are crazy, um, it, it's good. And it's, it's got some anti-inflammatory properties in it as well. And okay. it helps ward off infections. So Megan, I'm sure Kate is too, but Megan is so focused on wellness that I, I really trust actually both of these women and, and what their recipes are. Yeah. Um, obviously both really healthy, vibrant women uh, you know everything we've mentioned here we know we know are, are superfoods and they're good for you um we also know both girls have have eaten oatmeal for breakfast um on occasion kate especially when she's been pregnant and had morning yeah. sickness yeah um it's, it's something mild that you can eat on the go that's still healthy um and then megan loves acai bowls so okay. um, those are I kind of like, see that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a smoothie bowl with the acai berry and you can put fresh fruit or granola or whatever on there. So uh -huh. that's a really great sweet option if you can't do the green juice. I hear you. Okay. We got things to try. Yeah. So moving on to lunch, um, they've got breakfast out of the way midday. Um, Megan has been known to say that lunch is typically her heaviest meal of the day. Yeah. And then she goes light on dinner, okay. um, where Kate's lunches are really pretty light. Okay. Um, Kate, you know, doesn't really eat a ton of meat during the day. She saves that for dinner. Okay. Um, and she really likes raw foods. So okay. a typical lunch for Kate would be, um, like a watermelon salad 
or mm. ceviche or gazpacho, which is a cold soup. I love ceviche now. Oh my gosh. I went to Costa Rica earlier this year in January before I couldn't, couldn't leave my house, let alone leave this country. And I had, oh my gosh, the ceviche. Yeah. I love ceviche as well, but it's funny. I don't think of that as a meal. It's, it's no, like an appetizer I'm like, for me. Kate, how are you not starving? <laughs> Cause you've had this smoothie. Okay. That'll tide you over, I guess. But I mean, my, I can't wait that late to eat. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, but Megan goes a little bit heavier um, on her lunchtime meal. She has been known to say that she tries to avoid gluten. Um, she has noticed that it helps keep her skin clear. And we know she has beautiful skin. Beautiful skin, yeah. Um, and Megan loves seafood. Um, so a typical lunch for her would be like a salad with um, veggies or quinoa, Um her her diet to me really gives me the California lifestyle vibe for sure which makes sense I mean that's her home state and that's her current state of residence right, now right. um yeah. and so I, I just have to imagine that she is convincing Harry to kind of take I was on this just, diet okay, too. you read my mind I was just about to say <laughs> that because that when when I covered Harry and Megan's uh when they did that podcast teenager therapy and they took the photo the full body photo harry is looking very trim now he he's is. never had a weight problem really to speak of but like he is looking fitter than i've ever seen him yeah i definitely think california has had an influence on him oh you can tell you can tell Megan is also a big fan of avocado toast now which, now we're talking yeah we're talking. I, I think a lot of megan's food we can all kind of relate to. I, I imagine her and Harry having avocado toast on the weekends and for Megan's a late lunch too. or a late breakfast, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I mean, you know, you mentioned her cookbook and so. uh, the roast chicken engagement. Yeah. We're going to actually get to that in Ooh. just a second. So yeah. um, moving on from lunch, when we get to midday, let's say they need a quick pick me up in the afternoon. I mentioned Kate likes to eat raw a lot during the day. I hope Kate's having a mid-afternoon snack. Girl's she is. fall she over is. if she doesn't. <laughs> Kate loves fresh fruit. Uh -huh. um, she loves raw veggies. And actually, one of her favorite things to snack on are goji berries. I don't even know what that is, Jessica. <laughs> um, I, I actually got some in no? my refrigerator. Yes. What, a um, goji berry? A goji berry. Yeah, I usually put them on top of smoothies. But, I mean, it's kind of like... It's like a really bright pink berry. Um, the ones that I have, I think, are freeze dry. They're a little chewy. Where do you um, get them? Just there at the store? I think I you can get you them at Whole Foods. Um, or something? Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the health food stores are. are Aka like places that. I tend to avoid. <laughs> I am so. not the lifestyle and wellness expert in the room. <laughs> we'll let you try some goji berries. Okay. Well, I'll give you my honest opinion on them. <laughs> So uh, Megan's snacks are also, again, a little bit more relatable. She um, loves apples and nut butter, no, okay. almond again, butter, peanut butter. I can do that. Um, and then Megan is really big on staying hydrated. So yes. she drinks tons of water throughout the day, and she does like the occasional kombucha. Okay, which I've um, also never had. I need so to get on it. I, I drink kombucha on occasion. It's not something I drink every day, uh, but it's like a fermented beverage. So also, again, you know, good for your tummy. Right. Um, they have lots of different flavors. It's um, it's a nice pick me up. Okay. I've actually Does it have caffeine in it. That's a good question. 
typically I want to say probably not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen a lot of people recently starting to make kombucha cocktails. Okay. So they'll mix this. It's it's kind of got a fizz to it, and you can mm-hmm. get like berry flavors and stuff. So okay. you mix it with your alcohol, and it's just kind oh. of a fun okay. a fun drink. There you go. All right, so dinner time. You mentioned roast chicken, and I said both girls are a huge fan of roast chicken. Me too. I love roast chicken. I will say that Megan um, has been said before that she tries to limit her consumption of meat and animal products. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, we know she's not a vegan, but she tries to mostly avoid meat and then she'll splurge on the weekends or, or every so often. And when she does, she'll have poultry or steak or lamb or yeah. something like that. So like you mentioned, we know Megan and Harry were roasting chicken at home together the night that he proposed. Mm-hmm. I think, I think all Royal watchers love that story. The engagement chicken, the engagement chicken, right. <laughs> that should be in the cookbook. I know right? it, it should be in the cookbook. <laughs> Um, and Kate also roast chicken is a favorite of hers. So Kate is a very hands-on mom with the kids yeah. in the kitchen. She cooks a lot of meals for her and, and Will and the kids. And she has also been known to um, let the kids help out. So I love that. George and Charlotte and Louie will help with kid-friendly dishes like macaroni and cheese, um, salads. And then one thing that Kate absolutely loves that I was so happy to hear because it's a favorite of mine too is curry. Okay. Okay. I like the taste of curry. The smell of curry is very overwhelming. <laughs> I feel like if you don't eat it all the time, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does seem very strong, um, but she loves spicy food. Um, now we know Will doesn't tolerate spicy food quite as well. I'm sure he um, humors her though and has curry when she makes it, but, mm-hmm. but she loves to, to make curry and, um, and to eat it. So I was really happy to hear that. So dinner in the um, the Sussex household, again, chicken, or we know Megan loves tacos, especially fish tacos. Megan, you are my girl. I, I can't roll with Kate's full, maybe someday. But me and <laughs> Megan, we can, we can do this. Yes. So, um, and then we also know Megan loves a good wine. Oh, girl, yes. Um, we know her blog, The Tig, was named after her favorite wine, which I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it's, it's I think... Tignan yellow. Or... <laughs> I was going to say good luck with that because I have no clue. <laughs> it comes from the Tuscany region of Italy and she has been said before if given the choice between wine or dessert she will almost always go with the wine. Oh I, I I'm you lost me there Megan. I have to agree I mean I love a good glass of wine but if it's cheesecake or something chocolate or something I'll probably go for the dessert I mean this better be a dang good wine (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) to get me to turn down some cheesecake um yeah so that you know I mean that's kind of a day in the life of the duchesses Uh, when I was doing my research on this I did note that um both royal couples like sushi I love sushi. Um, you know, sushi to me, I will eat it um, when given the opportunity. It's not something I usually go out of my way to eat, but I do like it. Um, and I know we won't anytime soon see the Fab Four out together, but I do like to imagine that at some point they had a double date at a posh sushi oh, restaurant. Man. In my wildest <laughs> dreams. Um, I think that would be fun. And then I also wanted to note that the um, the duchesses do like to indulge a little bit good they're human <laughs> both girls love pasta yes Lord. um we know when the royal family gets together for holidays and they've got their desserts um kate likes to indulge in those as well and we actually saw a few weeks ago kate and william baked 
cupcakes adorned with poppies. Yeah, they did. Okay, I forgot about that. And yes. they delivered those. And I, I hope that the kids helped with that because I can imagine the whole family in the yeah. kitchen together. But um, they Kate, delivered. Kate's baked the kids' birthday cakes before. She has. Yes, she yeah. has been known to stay up late I, and do that. I don't want to be Kate. I, maybe it's not too <laughs> late for me to be, to be more like Kate. Um, but the cupcakes, they uh, delivered them to nursing home residents who served in the armed forces. Oh, I love that so much. Um, they were in support of the British Royal Legion's annual poppy appeal. Um, I love that. So that was fun to see online. And, and that's my quick recap of a day in the life of a duchess. Um, if you want to take on some of those recipes for a week and give them a try, shout us out and, yeah, and let, let us know, know how, how it, goes. it goes if you have any favorites and and yeah we'll link some recipes that we find see that's what I love about podcast royal is that it's the royal component obviously but it's also the lifestyle component you know we're all trying to be better people trying to be better women and um you know I'll I'm sure we'll talk about this on the podcast but I I'm on a weight loss journey right now I've lost about 75 pounds I'm plateauing right now so maybe I need to kick myself into high gear and try some of these uh, recipes, but um, we're all just trying to, whether we're Duchess of Cambridge, Duchess of Sussex, or Rachel and Jessica, we're all just trying to be better every day and live a healthier lifestyle, so I will try those recipes. Yeah, I'm super excited. Might even try kale. Um, yeah. <laughs> Might even go crazy. But yeah, I'll, I'll help you find some stuff to make kale taste better, because, you know, there there's a, a secret there, too. Um, awesome. Well, that is the lifestyle component. So that's the end of episode one. Thank you so much for tuning into the debut episode of Podcast Royal. Some weeks it'll just be me and Jessica. Some weeks we'll have guests on the pod. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And don't forget, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts so that other people can find out about us. We are so excited again to go on this journey with you. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.